0: but at least i'm not stressing and i know this isn't fair i never would have guessed that things
1: would be this way guess you'd be with him i promise you that i All right, so we'll get into it. I'll, oh, how would you okay. like to be uh, Anne Odo and what? Have Odo's
0: fine. I go by Anne Herbst Odo, if you can say it. Um, I think I can manage that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and just don't call me Anne Otto, please. please. If nothing else, Cause, cause after all this, I know I know how to say Odo. <laughs>
2: I know, but everybody gets it wrong, and oh. you know. How would you like being <laughs> called Marie Doucher? You <laughs> <sure.
3: laughs>
2: should have recorded that one yeah. oh, we're recording yeah. are you oh we're recording.
1: <laughs> <laughs> stay quiet stay quiet she's so soft in my ear like the slightest Welcome to a brand new episode of My Comic Shop History. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Follow me on Twitter, at Westside. Before I introduce this week's guests, uh, I have a little bit of an announcement to make, some good news. The My Comic Shop History podcast has joined the Musings of a Geek podcast network. So now you can find this show, along with a number of other great, uh, similarly themed shows, and you can find them uh, at musingsofageek.com, so be sure to check out our page over there, and please give a listen to some of the other great shows on that network. All right, without any further ado, let me introduce uh, the ladies at the table with me. Uh, This is a big departure from our previous episodes, uh, which, with one exception, uh, have featured exclusively male guests. Uh, so we're going to flip things around for this episode, our Wednesday Widows episode of My Comic Shop History. So across from me, we have Marie Mena, wife of Doug Desher, who was a guest on episode five of this podcast. So Marie, welcome. Hello. We have Anne Herbst-Odo, wife of Steve Odo, the owner of Alternate Realities and someone we've discussed a lot on the show. So I'm really excited uh, to get Anne's perspective on uh, on some of the things that have been said. So Anne, welcome.
0: And you will.
1: Very ominous. And to my left is someone I'm very excited to introduce, Stephanie Chow, my (laughs) bride-to-be.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: I guess to kick things off, the closing of the store, because we actually have, once again in this podcast, some breaking news. So on February 1st, as everyone knows, uh, Steve Odo announced the closing of Alternate Realities. That's changed let's be nice and say a couple of times since then Uh, and it was actually a couple of episodes ago I had Tom Darby on here and uh, we read um, the announcement that Steve had just made that the store was being sold and not closing after all in the time since then that's unfortunately changed again and and the store is as far as we know (laughs) once and for all definitively closing on June 30th and uh, this was announced uh, publicly this morning, actually, on Facebook, uh, one of Steve's famous Facebook posts, and I'll toss it to you. Do you want to uh, just sort of give a, a, a recap of, of of the news of what Steve oh, relayed news. to his fans today?
0: There had been some question about. Whether um, the price of the store was set or whether it was going to be negotiated further. Now, now certainly this was not in Steve's head that there was some question about the price, but but the buyer had made some noise about about questioning the valuation of the store. And um, long story short, uh, he was sort of dithering about it, and Steve had uh, you know has has a serious time crunch now. And he really has to make the decision to, you know, poop or get off the pot. And uh, so Steve pretty much decided independently that he was not going to sell the store to this person. And then one day later, uh, rather ignominiously, the guy emailed him that the, the sale was not going to go through. And I think that's a really pussy way of conducting business. Can I just say that?
1: You just did.
0: <laughs> so the sale is not going through and Steve is going to continue to have sales and liquidate and maybe it's time to pitch back to you for some of Steve's actual language.
1: Well, there were a couple of things. I mean, I have the announcement printed out here and I highlighted a couple of things. And there's one thing in particular. Now, I don't mean to put you on the defensive end, no, but you just sort of, I guess, here as, as representative to a certain extent. Uh. No, maybe not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I am. I am.
1: There's a segment of the announcement where he talks about selling all of the fixtures. And he says, I will require a non-refundable 50% deposit, and you will need to remove the item from the store by June 15th. Otherwise, I will keep the deposit and will sell the item to someone else. Now, I read that and I say, that makes a lot of sense. Maybe, and not to be a jerk, but maybe if he had applied that logic previously... And require deposits on, on items that people ordered. I don't know. He might not be in this situation. I don't know. But it just feels like all of why now he's come around to the idea of a deposit.
0: Anthony is looking at me with bated breath. Let me let me give you a sort of macro answer to this. You know, I I, I have listened to all of the podcasts up to now, pretty much. And um, you know, there has been a fair degree of Of uh, people coming back and saying well if I were Steve I would have done this and if I were Steve I would have done this and you know all I all I can say is you know I am I'm certainly not a business expert by any means Uh, I have I have no talent for sales or retail I'm sure that there are many different ways to approach the conundrum of creating a successful comic book store Um, and I'm sure that some of the criticisms are valid what I do know that that perhaps uh, everybody else doesn't have the advantage of knowing is how much Steve has poured his heart and soul into this store over the years. I'm really the only one who sees him working until 2.30 in the morning, and the only one who sees him agonizing over every little bit of the order form and uh, really uh, considering the decisions that he makes. As, as, as far as, you know, specific pieces of business strategy, like, um, well, if he had done this before, sure, you know, if wishes were horses, you know, and I, I know that everybody is, is critiquing him with, um, you know, with a fair amount of love, but um, I actually had to caution him, as did his son Evan, to be very careful if he decides to listen to the podcasts because I had a feeling that he they might enrage him because everybody to a man takes him to task for his um, business idiosyncrasies. And I can see him going, well, you know, to hell with you all. That said, um, I did want to correct a misconception of something that cropped up in a, in a previous podcast that I think may be my fault. Okay. Um, the final dinner. For uh, alternate realities. Um, I know everybody in that episode where they discussed whether or not Steve was going to come to the final dinner, um, everybody was very perturbed at the possibility that he wouldn't. And some of that may be due to a comment that I made on Facebook where I said I think he might have to be coaxed into it. I did not mean that to say that he was reluctant to come or or that he had given me any sort of impression on that at all. As a matter of fact, I know he had every intention of coming. I was thinking as a wife of it's June twenty seventh, he has three more days of this store, and he's going to be so exhausted I'm probably going to have to, you know, spatula him off the floor in order to get him to Uh, just go ahead and socialize with anybody but it had nothing to do with um, any inclination not to go or lack of appreciation for all of
1: you. I did want to bring that up um, just as a follow-up to that previous episode um, because yes since since we recorded that uh, he did in fact RSVP that he was coming yeah
0: no you know he 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 loves these guys he loves all of you you know and and um, as much as you bitch and moan about him in these podcasts and as much as he bitches and moans about you guys um, you know offline, there's there's <laughs> there's enough love to go around to the extent that past
1: episodes have come across as us just you know bitching about it, I mean that's unfortunate to me, and that's certainly not the intention. you know it it does come from a place of love towards both Steve and the store. I mean, I think if we didn't care, we wouldn't express what we've expressed Um, I I also don't you know I, I I do stand by the business critiques that have been offered but again you know it's you know, different for everybody.
0: So. And many of them, I'm sure, are valid. And I'm coming from a place of oversensitivity because you know, I, 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 can't help being Steve's advocate since I'm really the only one in a position to 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 see the the man behind the scenes.
1: Now, moving away from Steve specifically, and really the reason why I have all of you here is is again to get the the perspective of the significant other on <laughs> on comic books, on comic book collecting. Uh, I'm so happy to have the three of you here Uh, there was a fourth guest who I really tried to get and it just was not to be and that's Marissa the wife of Sean McInerney uh, employee of the store guest on episode 2 she had a very memorable appearance in the film that I made about alternate realities Um, it was the man cave segment and a lot you know at a lot of the screenings and everything that her moment got a lot of of responses and um, essentially you know I had her and Sean on the couch together talking about his his comic book hobby. And she flat out said, "I think you should not buy comics." And when he when he <laughs> pressed a little further and he said, "Is there anything good you could say about my hobby?" her response was, "Well, I'm gonna make a lot of money when I sell all your stuff." She said it with, with a smile and a laugh, so I'll give her the benefit of the doubt and, <laughs> and say maybe she was joking. And as a as we addressed in that episode, a nice postscript to to that moment in the movie, uh, they were talking about whether or not he would have a man cave when they eventually got a house. Well, they did get a house and he does have a man cave. So, you know, it, it worked out for him, you know, in that sense. I was hoping to have her on here to sort of uh, be able to to bounce this idea around and, and give her an opportunity to, uh, you know, to elaborate on her comments. But uh, alas, that was not to be. So uh, we have her comments, though. We know what she said. So I guess I want to toss <laughs> it, uh, I guess, maybe to Steph and Marie first.
3: I guess I'm the novice here compared to everyone else at the table, but when I first heard her comments, I thought it was very unfortunate that she felt that way because when you start dating or marry a comic book guy... You kind of know what you're getting into.
2: Oh, really? <laughs> I think.
3: Maybe. Sorry. Am I wrong? <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Tell me now, Marie. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but hopefully you're wrong. it works for them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you are wrong. Wait a minute. Let me see that ring. Okay. <laughs> okay, it's 20 years for me and
1: Doug. Anthony, how, much, how many things do you have? Do you have a man cave? Well, see, this is the interesting thing. Uh, I'm putting you on the spot now. No, that's I love it. Uh, the interesting thing is Steph caught me at the end of, of my comic book collecting. So I used to be, you know, I had my, my pull list. I had a bunch of titles. Um, that I would read every week. I would be here on Wednesday, the day the new comic books come out. That, again, the title of the episode, Wednesday Widows. Wednesday is New Comic Book Day, uh, and the day, I guess, when many <laughs> significant others are, are left home alone while the guys are out getting their comics. And that used to be me. I mean, I remember in high school, uh, DC did a, ser- a mini-series called Identity Crisis that I was so excited about, and, and I enjoyed it. And I remember uh, the final issue came out, and I came here during, during my lunch period. I was a senior in high school, and I, I zoomed over here during lunch, you know to pick it up and I read it in the car and then I went back to school so you know there was a time where that was really a part of my routine and and it was something I was really excited about um, my collection was never that overwhelming I don't think I, I don't know offhand how you know how many I had I've since divested myself of all of the individual issues and now I have a library of of graphic novels trade paperbacks and, and hardcovers I do have a, a pretty sizable statue collection uh, and that is on display, you know, in in my living room. <laughs> but Steph, you seem and, to you seem to like it, and you I said did. yes, <laughs>
3: yes, and I still said yes. But I'd like she to clarify: loves you. <laughs> you said I caught you at the end of kind of your comic book days. Now, who was the catch here? <laughs>
1: well played. There you go. Well played.
2: <laughs> Congratulations to you both. Thank
0: you. Yeah, yeah, really.
1: You know, you really didn't see me at the height of of my collecting. Do you think there that would you have, Do you think that would have made a difference if every Wednesday I was like, I have to go to the comic shop?
3: Well yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Doug's been
2: going every week for twenty years. So there <laughs> you go. <laughs> and how do you feel about that? <laughs> Don't kill me, honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, at first when we got together I I didn't realize because we didn't live together, we lived together when we got married. So we moved in when we got married so I had no idea of some of the habits and some of the (laughs) things that uh, he was interested in and so uh, basically I found out about it after we got married. Wait but you
1: you didn't know that he read comic books prior? I
2: I did but I didn't know he collected so many Oh, and uh, (laughs) and we have a two-bedroom apartment Uh, so anyway no he you know there's worse things that he could be into right so Anyway, uh, he really enjoys them, and he—I know he enjoys coming here. So I don't know if it's—it's it's a social thing as well.
1: Well, you bring up an inter- interesting point, and this was something else that was said in the film um, by one of the other wives. She said, you know, he—you know—speaking of her husband, she was like, you know, he doesn't have other vices, and you know, they're basically there are worse things <laughs> that he could be doing than spending his time and money on comic books, and so. Um, Correct. I mean I agree with that (laughs) Uh, but I mean I guess it's funny stuff like so while I'm not as into comics as I am now I'm certainly as into my television shows as as ever before and in a lot of ways probably the comics have been replaced by by this stuff you know so I think a lot of the energy that I used to pour into the comic books now it goes into things like the podcast and and the documentary so I guess if you were wondering what it would be like if I were still into comics you kind of have a sense I think
3: I agree. I think your passions are directed a little bit differently with filmmaking, the podcast, the TV, which luckily we share that interest. Um, we're very fortunate. And I would say 90% of the shows that you watch, I also watch. And that's actually what brought us together in the first place.
1: So I just want to, so Maria, I want to toss it back to you, you and Doug. So you didn't know the extent of his collection prior mm. to getting married, but you did know that he was a comic book reader. Yes. So how did he- that first... Come up, and I guess what was your initial reaction when he was like, I read comic books?
2: Oh, this is 20 years ago, so let's see. Um, I don't remember how it came up, but I probably saw him bring them into the apartment when we were moving in, and then he would say, You know, I'm going to go to the comic book store, and it became a Saturday night social event, and every Saturday he would come here because I was singing in a band. And I was busy in the band, and so this would be his night for the guys, with the guys. So it became an every Saturday night event. And then eventually I see that he's bringing in comic books, and then I see a few Joker um, and Batman statues, and then I see a few prints um, of the Joker and all these, uh, I guess, Batman. And what else does he have? He also has the crow. I said, well, honey, I don't think we're going to put that in the living room because we have nice antique furniture. <laughs> so uh, eventually the second bedroom became his man cave and it's been his man cave ever since. It's also, I, I go in there from time to time. and we You're do, allowed in? I'm allowed in oh, every once good. in a while. I don't think, I think the Sean computer keeps, is in
1: there. I think Sean keeps his room locked. So uh, <laughs> you're a step ahead.
2: <laughs> well, Doug and I both enjoy music. Cause I'm a musician so we have that in common so I'll go into that room and listen to music and
1: so on and so forth but that's basically his man cave now have you have you ever tried reading comics did he try to get you into it did he discourage it how'd that go uh,
2: yeah he did he showed me um, a few comic books and I did not I'll be honest with you I did not get it at all I, I thought it was for children I didn't realize that so many adults and this is not a knock. I'm just, you know, I'm not trying to be condescending. I just didn't understand it because I thought comic books were for kids or young adults. I didn't know that older adults were into comic books. But now, you know, I find out that there are many, many people who
1: enjoy it. Would you ever think of of giving it another shot, of trying something different? Or once uh. was enough?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I would I would I would try it, but um it just uh, I mean I will say this, the illustrations, I'm very
1: impressed by. I mean, in your defense, I, you know, I think that that conception of, oh, it's it's for kids is not an uncommon one. I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people feel that way or I mean, I think it's less so now. Uh, I think they definitely have become more mainstream. But, you know, I think that view still exists and definitely used to exist more. I mean, again, when I was a kid, like it was really a struggle to be able to read comic books. I mean, I was limited to one per week. And, um, you know, if ever, you know, I got a lower grade on a test, it was attributed to the comic books. And I really had to sort of defend my right to read them (laughs) to my parents. And it was only by the time I got to high school um, that my grades had been consistently high enough that I was like, I don't think these are hurting me. And, uh, you know, I was able to start reading more. And then that coincided with when I started working here. Uh, And then I was just around them all the time. And my my pull list grew. But um, really, for most of elementary school, I really only read the Superman books. And it was one per week. And and that was it. Well, that's not too bad. Well, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) How many statues
2: do you have, though? That's, That's the question.
1: How many statues do I have?
3: I'm actually not sure of the count, but I was going to comment on the statues. I'm an advocate of Anthony keeping the statues until we eventually move in together because I actually enjoy looking at them and having them on display when I'm at his place. Wait, well, you just wow. said until we move
1: in together. What happens then?
3: Ooh, Freud. <laughs> no, until, no, until keeping them keeping them until we move in together, and then we'll have them together.
1: Oh, okay. Well, you didn't say that. I got nervous.
0: Oh. <laughs> Good save there, Steph. Yeah. And
2: what are the statues of?
1: Uh, So I have three showcases and they're all pretty full. I I did count once. I think it's around 125 statues, which sounds like a lot. Most of them are minibusts, so they're small. They're not all full-size statues. Mm -hmm. Um, They're mostly DC, um, although I do have a decent amount of the Marvel Bowen minibusts of all those, like I have all of the Spider-Man characters, Mm -hmm. the heroes and villains. Uh, but mostly DC um, DC did a line called uh, Batman black and white inspired by different artist renditions of Batman through the decades So I have a bunch of those uh, but I really when I moved, I moved a year ago, and I really This um, was seriously considering just unloading these things and being done with them And I ended up it, it didn't work out and I kept them and I'm happy that I kept them um, But yeah, it was funny you I mean you were not you know pushing me to get rid of them at all I mean if anything it was the opposite right
3: mm-hmm. I thought you should keep your collection and artistically i enjoy the the batman black and white ones and i I really enjoy those in the way they actually look but i guess recently i have an affinity towards the green arrow ones
1: i wonder (laughs) if Stephen amell has anything to do with that star of the cw's arrow show no look he's a good looking man there's no getting around it i you know that's fine
3: i always check on him to make sure he's okay in the case
1: yeah <laughs> they actually—I mean, what I have—they actually have a. Uh, maybe I shouldn't tell you this, but there are there's actually a statue based on Stephen Amell, based on his likeness, not just the the comic book version, which I am
0: thinking Christmas present <gasps> here. Yeah, yeah, Christmas isn't there. July Fourth present? Oh, there.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I have to say, if you were of the opinion that all of this were a waste of time or money, if you gave me a hard time about this. You know, I don't know if (laughs) this would have worked. You know, I don't know if that's something because, you know, again, I'm not as into it as I once was, but it's still something I have great love and affinity for. And, you know, yeah, I just uh, I'm I'm glad that (laughs) I'm glad that you feel the way you do. I, I don't know that it would have worked otherwise.
0: As a as a marital. Um. Uh, as a bit of marital advice, I, I would say that it's it's very unrealistic to believe that you are going to change your spouse in any exactly. significant way. And I think that um, if you are unable to help your spouse or your significant other cultivate and enjoy their passions, then you really need to reexamine um, what you're doing with each other. Uh, because, because it's, 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 it's really nice, you know, that, that, for instance, that Marissa allowed, well, that, that Marissa, (laughs) sorry, sorry, Sean, that, that, that Marissa and Sean came to a meeting of the minds and that he has his man cave and that, you know, you were able to see the virtue in, in Doug, um, keeping this as a hobby, um, you know, and that you're able to, and that Steph is able to appreciate, um, the 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 hobby aesthetically or or just uh find find a way to to approach him on it so you know i i think i think it's it's more about just appreciating each other's hobbies and and interests and, and respecting each and other respecting yeah exactly yeah but you
2: happen to like it steph and you're making me mm-hmm. look bad
0: <laughs> actually it's <laughs> interesting and
3: i kind of just realized this that my first exposure to comic books was when I was maybe six or seven years old and my mom took me to the what we call the Berlin Mark down in southern New Jersey, which I would say is one step or two steps below the Port Chester Flea Market, <laughs> which is now closed, um, which is the one of the subjects of. Anthony's last documentary by Spoon Oh about look at Jay that plug Mizel. Oh that is great <laughs> I'm a good fiance <laughs> You are <laughs> So my experience with actually reading comics Was Casper and Archie um, And Richie Rich As a child and I enjoyed them But didn't continue I would say definitely past third or fourth grade <laughs> However it's interesting Even though I don't read any comics At this point I've, I've read some Walking Dead Because I was, a, um, I am a big fan of the show I still enjoy hearing Anthony's take and telling me the store the backstories or interpretations of Arrow and Flash the shows that we watch and all the Marvel movies that are so popular now. I really enjoy those. I'm definitely a fan of um the marvel movies and, and batman movies that that are coming out you know i currently. really do love flash yes <laughs> and
2: arrow mm. does that give me some brownie points?
1: it sure does how uh, could you how could you show.
0: not they're, they're great they're shows terrific yes. shows yeah. yeah yeah
1: well it's funny that you say you like when i tell you those things sometimes i worry i'm being annoying and i'm like she doesn't care about the comic book relevance of some of this stuff
3: no, I actually do very much enjoy hearing the background of of where the characters originated from or how the characters differ from the TV or movie interpretations of them.
1: As I asked Marie, what was you know, what was your initial reaction when when you knew of my comic book connection?
3: The first time I I knew that Mr. Anthony Desiato was interested in comic books was when I saw a flyer that another Student gave to me about his documentary and it, its screening at pace Law School, where um, I'm currently a staff member and was at the time um, so Wait, I knew just to clarify
1: this... so we <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know we, we only got that. together after I started working at the school after I graduated. there was nothing untoward uh, while I was a student and you were a staff member
3: and also we didn't even mm-hmm. actually meet until your towards the end of your third year That's of right. law school so This was even before I met him, but I knew there was this Anthony Desiato who was a student and he had this comic shop documentary. That time I probably had somewhat of a stereotypical view of this comic book geek who was at Pace (laughs) Law School. So law student and comic book geek. Not a great combination. Not a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But he defies stereotypes. And I thought it was a in- very interesting hobby. I had gotten into the Marvel movies, the DC movies, everything current. And I and my experience with the characters themselves um, as a child watching the cartoons, really, of Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, X-Men. Um, I definitely remember watching them in the mornings and after school and on weekends. Um, So I I definitely didn't say, oh, my God, oh, my God, he's a comic book geek. Um, But then when we got to know each other and started talking, of course, I didn't think that. Um, But I guess I'll talk about the first time he brought me to the store. And it was before we actually started dating. What I was expecting was, okay, I was going to walk into this, you know, little comic book shop and there were going to be a bunch of comic book geeks. And they would either start drooling or run into the shadows (laughs) hiding from me. (laughs) (laughs) But that was not the case. I was, like I said, warmly greeted by Steve behind the counter and he came out and, um, and whoever else was in the store at that time. I think
1: actually Jay Mizell was here. And as
3: warm a greeting as Jay Mizell can give to someone he has first met, um, he, I was warmly greeted by him as well. So it was actually a very pleasant experience um, coming here for the first time.
1: Now, speaking of alternate realities, that's a a great segue. I want to toss it to you, Anne, because now you and Steve, you know, connected or rather reconnected a little bit later in life. And and when you did, you knew that he had this store, right? So the the comic book aspect was not a surprise.
0: Yes. Um, uh, I mean, I don't remember how I, how I learned about it. Just, just to give the backstory, Steve and I actually ostensibly met when, when I was about 12 and he was about 15. Um, we went to the same summer camp. He was a violinist and I was a theater person and it was a music and arts camp. When I was a camper of 15 and he was a violin counselor of 19, we actually dated for a month as, as as you might expect being being a freshman in college he decided that that a 15 year old girlfriend was not a great asset so at the end of the summer he dumped me and ripped my heart into little pieces and threw it all Aww. over the all over um, Croton on Hudson um, and yet amazingly enough we, we stayed friends and I ended up going to the same university as he did um, several years later and we overlapped by one year but we didn't really communicate all that much then because I was a freshman girl and he was a senior girl and we were on different pages. Then, uh, completely different lives, and fast forward to 35 years later, a mutual friend from the camp decided that she would try and get uh, a camp reunion started. Long story short, Steve and, and I were back in touch through Facebook. That's how we ended up getting back together. So it was a, a long, slow reconnect. That's that's a long way of saying um, I I did find out that that Steve had I knew I knew that he had been a lawyer. Um, and I found out that many years before that, he had left the law and decided to open his own comic book store. Um, and since we were having a long distance relationship at that point, I was living according to alternate realities as schedule. So, for instance, I knew instantly that, you know, there was no way that I was going to have any sort of heart to heart with Steve on a Wednesday because... Um, he was busy doing the Wednesday comic book thing, and thus the title of this podcast episode. Um, Hear that, and, folks? Even yes. even the wife can't call on a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the girlfriend at that point. I don't know if, if if any of you. Well, Anthony has seen our house. The that was
1: going to be one of my questions. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's now now as I said, you cannot change your spouse in any substantial way. And when I came to live with Steve. Um, Uh, Fortunately, I had no delusions about that. Uh, We live in approximately 600 square feet of a 2,400-square-foot house. The rest of it is a complete... um, I would call it a museum, except it's not curated. It's more like um, the end of the last scene of Indiana Jones or the last scene of Citizen Kane, where there are just boxes everywhere and uh, shelves of stuff and random stuff thrown all over the place. As
1: you were saying, that Marie's eyes just about popped out of her head. <laughs> yeah. That one man cave's not sounding too bad now, is not it? Not looking <laughs> too bad. bad.
0: Although we, we only have two bedrooms. Right. If there we were have... more, they would be filled up probably. <laughs> most people most women most significant others would not put up with what i put up with uh as far as my my atmosphere is concerned but it has its compensations you you find your soulmate for the second time in in your life and uh you don't sneeze at it anthony is that how you feel about my shoes and purses <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm really
2: okay with that huh? Steph, I'm with you because I I've got to admit I am a shopaholic and I do like my clothes and my shoes and my handbags, but I do give them away after a certain amount of time to charity, so I don't have a huge amount, but I do have um.
1: So I will admit that.
3: And I'll I'll admit that Anthony is the neat and organized one.
1: Yeah, I definitely like to keep things really neat. But you cook, so it it you know you cook, I clean, and it balances. Very nicely.
0: There is something else I need to mention um, that that maybe differentiates me a little bit from from, um, Stephen Marie. And um, completely independently of Steve, I am a comic book geek and uh, a science fiction and fantasy geek. So to me, walking into this atmosphere where there is so much cool stuff... Um was also kind of a dream come true. The fact that one of the first things Steve could do for me was create a poll list was fantastic. Um, in fact, I will tell you that one of the first presents, um, that he ever got me and, and what I thought was one of the most touching presents ever. Um, I started reading comics when I was about six years old and I was I was a DC fan and at that age I mostly gravitated towards um, adventure comics which was Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. There was one comic book um, a pretty famous arc about um, a sentient computer named Computo. I read the initial episode of the arc and then never got to read or find out what happened So for you know 35 or 40 years I just didn't know what had happened and I think I mentioned this to Steve when we were talking about comic books and so lo and behold one day he presented me with the next book in the series you know a vintage a vintage DC comic so and it was it was incredibly, sweet and romantic present, you know, because I cared about it so much and that he had gone out of his way to get this for me. You know, it was very enjoyable for me to be able to come into this community and let my freak flag fly a little bit.
1: Marie, do you remember the first time that you you came into the store and what your impressions were?
2: I'll be honest. I walked in and I said... <laughs> How could people be interested in all this? I'm so <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my no, god! No, this is what uh, we, am want. I we getting know, a backlash. I know, I know. No, not at all. You know, everybody has their th- and and it's not condescending when I when I say it. I just now that I'm in here looking around, I just the figurines and um, I I just don't, I, I'll be honest, I don't get it. Um, maybe if I was eight years old, you know, a little boy, you know, I would, I would get it. Especially the figurines. I'm so sorry, <laughs> Anthony. Um, well, they're be, action, just, action no, figures. No, figures. I'm sorry.
0: No. <laughs> there are many different gradations of figurines. Yeah,
1: I just yes. want to be very clear. What I have in my collection are statues. They are not action figures. Oh, statues. And there's nothing wrong with collecting action figures, but I have manly statues. Well, no,
0: and they're, they're objet d'art. I mean, they, re- have... they really are in their own right. You only have one doll in the collection.
1: Yeah, I do have a doll. Is, I mean, you know. What's so, a do- what's wait a the minute. Doll? You have a doll? It's Superman. I got it when I was a little kid. Oh. Okay. It, it is a doll. Superman doll. <laughs> a Superman doll.
2: Okay,
0: okay. So you held on to okay. I held
1: on to it. So. <laughs> I-, <laughs> I don't have my Barbie dolls anymore.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Gee, I got rid of Can my Barbies, it? but I think if I had a Superman doll, I would have kept it.
1: With respect to the store, the comics, the merchandise, what I always say is. You know, it's just another medium. So, And there's there's so many different genres and, and, and characters and storylines that it's like you might like one kind of movie but not another. Very likely there's a comic book that you like. You might not like anything else, but there's probably something. And I, I would mm-hmm. bet there's probably something out there that you would like.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: But I will say, you know, kind of jumping off of something you said about, you know, maybe if I were, I were an eight-year-old boy. I think for <laughs> a lot of us, I mean, sort of the, you know, the, the deep affection that we have does stem from the fact that... um that we got into it when we when we were younger. I mean, Superman's right. my favorite character. If I had never read or, or, or seen Superman before, and, and I just experienced it as an adult, I mean, I like to think that I would still respond to the character, but very likely it wouldn't be in the same way that I did, you know, when I was when I was a kid. So I think that, you know, that definitely has has something to do with it, you know, the the age at which you're ex- you're exposed to some of this stuff.
2: Right. So the way you look at it now, versus when you were eight years old. What are the difference? Like, I'm trying to under... I'm trying... I've been trying to
3: <laughs> <understand>. <laughs> really trying to understand.
2: Because there are a lot of things that I really liked to do when I was young, but I grew out of that, you know. And then... So now I'm trying to figure out why you still enjoy that and what is the difference.
1: Right.
3: I guess one of my initial takes on that would be, I think, as... It's interesting because I think the comic book storylines and subject matters have evolved to a more mature audience in these years so i think this it's a very interesting position where this group of men
0: have grown up at a time where the comic books have grown up with them very very true i mean again i said that as a 6 year old i i liked reading about you know the legion of superheroes and their legion of super pets well you know that is total corn that probably would not play today, um, you know, and there's a lot. I remember being surprised. I was I was off comics for a couple of years and I came back when I was in my 20s and I was very surprised at how the content had evolved and at the mature content and, you know, how how. You know, members of the Legion were now sleeping with each other, which was something that would have been unheard of in the 1960s, you know. So, so it, has, it has evolved and the audience has changed. You know, for one thing, it's a, it's a much less affordable hobby than it used to be. Um, when I was a certain age, uh, comic books were 12 cents apiece which I remember because my allowance was 10 cents a week, and I could, could only afford one comic every two weeks. But um, it it has changed to become more expensive, and um, times have become uh, more flexible and more permissive as far as content is concerned. Absolutely. I, th- I mean, that's another fantastic point. And I mean, mm-hmm. I think for me personally, you
1: know, why, why I still enjoy them, the nostalgia is definitely part of it, but I think... I just, I enjoy them in different ways now. So I'm much more mindful of the storytelling techniques that are being employed that I wouldn't have really been aware of as a kid. But now I look at it more from a writing standpoint, you know, so I try to enjoy well, it, you know, in that, that way. that makes sense. And I have to say, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but, um, you know, when we do talk about these things, whether it's the comic book specifically or when we get into the, you know, the TV and movies based on the comic books, you know, the level of discussion that we enjoy at the store, you know, is such is so much higher than, I think, what the stereotype is. So normally when people think of the stereotypical comic book discussion, it's, so who would win in a fight, Superman or Hulk? You know, so that's sort of the stereotype that you hear, and, and really the level of, of discourse is so much higher, and we are really analyzing it on oh, those levels. I know.
2: I've heard a lot of those conversations, and you are. I'm just trying to figure out the figurines now. Could you explain that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it is it is art. It's something that I can display and I can look at and, I guess, reminds me of what I enjoy about the... The material that and they're that, based on—that's
2: wonderful. I hope I'm not going to get any hate mail. Can yeah. we discuss Comic Con?
1: What do you want to talk about? <laughs> just just, com- just Comic Con? Go. You're not. You're not on board with Comic Con.
2: Come on. You got to give me something. I seen fiction. <laughs> <pictures. laughs> no. Let's do, go. Tell me what you
1: think of it. <laughs> um, I've been to I've been to New York Comic Con three times and okay. San Diego Comic Con once. I think it's something. If If you're into this sort of thing. It's it's definitely worth doing at least once. Uh, it's it's extremely overwhelming, uh, just the, the sheer amount of people. Personally, and I probably sound like an old man, but it's like, there's too many people. You know, so there, I can't say it's an entirely enjoyable experience. The advice I always give to people when they're talking about going to one of these things is, I guess, to sort of know why you're going. Like, if you're going to just sort of walk around and see what you see and, and, and that's it, I mean, that's fine. If you're going with, you know, a specific objective, that's okay too, but I guess be realistic about it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, at San Diego Comic-Con in particular, you know, if you want to sit in on a panel for something, for whatever it is, you know, you'll likely be online most of the day just to get in for that. So if you're okay with with sort of that, you know, that balance, you know, that cost-benefit analysis, you know, that's fine. Some of the outfits, um, the pictures that Doug
2: (laughs) sent to me, Darth Vader and all sorts of things. Uh, Are these people that are just big fans and show up and just dress up as their favorite characters, right? They just, okay.
3: Before you say anything else, Marie, you should know that if maybe four years ago I went dressed up as Pam from True Blood. (laughs) I don't even know who Pam is from True Blood. (laughs) That's okay. <laughs> We're Sean's was wife. Not, That's was all I <laughs> have to say. But I'll say there was no helmet or shield or sword involved. So <laughs> I do want to say You're that. you
2: marrying the right woman. That's yeah. all I have really? to say. Well, you
1: know, it's funny because we have not been to a, a comic convention since we got together. And if anything, I mean, you want to go far more than I do at this point.
3: I do. I enjoyed being there. I didn't necessarily purchase anything i did get in wait in line and pay my 30 or 40 dollars to meet and have a picture of eliza dushku sign because i was a and i'm a big buffy fan um as well (laughs) um oh she was in buffy
2: yeah which which character because i like faith
3: faith you like
0: oh (laughs) i i used to watch buffy all the time oh there's an entree (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, there's an
1: official yes. comic book continuation of Buffy, season ri- eight, written and by nine Joss and Whedon. And
2: now, yeah. wouldn't it be funny if I started collecting them? There you go. See, <laughs> <laughs> Christmas
1: have to move. is just
0: around the corner, Doug. <laughs> mm, really? I, I'm, I'm twirling my mustache here.
1: <laughs> you know what? Just as a just to jump back to that for a second to to Doug, his his reading, his collecting, his man cave. Because again, like Sean, he's very particular. He really no one can touch his stuff except him. Oh yes, it's Doug's is the great. same way. Yeah. Okay. So if you if you said to him like oh hey I saw that comic book you're reading like that looks kind of cool can I see it would he would he let you would he let you read it? He would let me read it, but he would probably hand it to me in a certain <laughs> way,
2: and I would have to handle the comic book, um, you know, just so. Um, that's why I really don't touch any of his comic books or the figurines or anything because I know that they're very important to him and he's very fussy.
1: This is sort of a pet peeve of mine because I feel like people not within this circle, but just, you know, non, non-comic book people, assume that I dress up, either for Comic-Con or when I go to the movies. You know, like when a new superhero movie comes out, like, oh, are you dressing up as Captain America? It's like, no, I don't do that. People who do, that's fine. But, uh, you know, yeah, people seem to assume, which I, uh, I guess take some issue with.
0: Cosplay is a subculture. And some people are really into it, and Mm -hmm. some people are not.
1: I mean, do I own a replica of the red jacket that Clark wore in Smallville? Yes. Can I pull Mm -hmm. it off? Yes. But do I I wear it? (laughs) No. (laughs) But I have it. I actually love Smallville too. Oh, am I I impressing you? Oh yeah, Smallville—that's way up there. Yeah,
2: yeah. I love that. Oh yeah, no, I love shows and movies Mm -hmm. and TV shows. It's just you know, I guess I never understood the comic book world, but. I'm trying to understand it by listening to you wonderful people today.
0: And there's nothing that says that you have to. You no, know, you know, no, I, no, no, nobody, I never will. <laughs> you, nobody has to force feed you appreciation. I mean, and, and as you mentioned, one of one of the great things for, for you and, and, and for Doug is really the social aspect of it.
1: Moving on to the people at Alternate Realities specifically, uh, I guess there are a couple of pieces to this because first, you know, you met everyone. And then there's also the component of of joining those Saturday night gatherings and going out to dinner, which is something you have all done. So, uh, I mean, I guess, Steph, what was your... Well, you sort of touched on this before, but what was your initial impression when you met the group?
3: Well, first I want to say, and Rich Roney would probably disagree with me, but I think the friendships that have been formed through the comic shop are very important and very touching.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I see what you meant about Rich there. He, he He would disagree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. I mean, he really... If
1: that was something that he, he really felt strongly about, he probably should have mentioned it in the episode of the podcast that he did. Yes. Uh, so that's, you know, shame on him.
0: No, no friendship, no fun. Yes.
3: <laughs> I guess I'll start with the, f- I remember distinctly the first dinner that Anthony brought me to. It was just so welcoming from the get-go. And I remember sitting, I think, across from Brian O'Day, who engaged me in conversation pretty much the whole evening. And it was probably due to him that, at least partially, that kept me coming back, say, mm-hmm. thinking that I ha- do have things in common that we can talk about, not just comic books themselves, but the TV shows, movies, and probably other topics as well, as far as careers or, um, you know, just just daily life or current events.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things. I've touched on this, I think, in other episodes, but um, we really don't talk about comic books all that much. No. and. As the years have gone by, less and less so. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure there's still more of a comic book based discussion, you know, on a Wednesday, for example, when the customers come in and, you know, for their new books. But, you know, certainly when we gather on a Saturday and we go out to eat, uh, I mean, comic books are really a very small part of what we talk about.
3: I mean, they're normal people, too. Yes.
1: <laughs> mm, very
3: laid back.
1: Yes. Yeah. So let me I'll toss it to you, Marisa. what was no. your initial impression of the alternate realities group when you when you met the guys? Well, I was a little reluctant
2: at first because I didn't think I was going to have anything in common, you know, because you've heard me for an hour now discuss how much (laughs) I love comic books. So I was I was a little reluctant, like, what am I, you know, because it was the comic book guys, you know, this was my husband's time to be with his friends so that was another reason why I didn't want to um infringe on his time with his comic book friends but then he would say no there are girlfriends now involved and you know no, this guy is gonna be married, you know why don't you can stop by too there are girls there every once in a while woman there so I decided one night to show up and I, I tell you everybody was really really nice and you're right it wasn't all about comic books uh, movies TV shows they get really into it, though, like the philosophy of and, and and intense conversations,
1: which go beyond
2: what I would usually discuss. But it was interesting just sitting back and 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 listening to them.
1: And you know, as as you know, Doug said to you. I mean, the group has certainly you know expanded, and I think you know become more diverse as you know as time has passed, where mm-hmm. people have gotten married and engaged, and mm-hmm. and you do have more of the significant others, and it's not just the as much of the boys' club, I guess, as as maybe it used to be. Uh, what were your initial impressions, Anne?
0: Of course, I was very nervous about about meeting the guys, which is which is pretty much what I had thought of them as because. Um, for one thing, you know, I didn't know exactly what Steve had said about me. Um, I knew that he had crazy girlfriends before me and uh, I had a feeling I there was a good chance I'd be lumped in with them, which would be accurate because I am crazy. But, um, you know, I'm I'm the kind of crazy that 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 works with the group, I guess. Uh, Also, I mean, he pictures of me on his on his computer, the screensaver and, you know, good Lord, what what were they expecting? I have no idea. So I was really nervous. And I came in and I, I remember that that I met Sean, Anthony, Tom and Steve Ryan. And immediately they were like, hey, you know, oh, so it's you. okay, yeah, we've heard a lot about you and blah, blah. And. Of course, I was starry-eyed about seeing the store on top of it all, so I think that was kind of my comfort level. It's like if I, if I had been socially uncomfortable, which I wasn't, I would have been able to walk around and look at the stuff. Also, there's the fact that one of the first things that Steve had me do, maybe the second time I got here, was help him take the cycle sheet count. Um, you know, and that was only once, so I must have not done very well because I know he's very very demanding about about his cycle sheet count. Yeah, you have um, to
1: we have to be very quick with the math. Oh
0: god, and I was uh math is is not my long suit. Oh, so you're so.
1: in the Tom Darby category. Oh,
0: well, I, you know, I'm probably if 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 there's a gunny sack where math is concerned, I'm in it. Eventually, I had yeah. to come
2: out because they didn't believe Doug that he was married. <laughs> <laughs> Because Doug would say, "I've been married for ten years." Really? I don't think you've been married. I and to such never- a beautiful woman too. Oh. They probably didn't believe that oh. either. But thank you, y'all. Please make me blush.
0: No. no, I have a girl crush on Marie. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Truth <come> be told. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. <laughs> this is going into a whole yeah. different yeah, direction. I think this is going on the cutting room floor. What do you think? Mm, yeah. I don't know about that. Oh. I don't know.
3: The boys might like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the boys might like this.
2: So anyway, they didn't think Doug was married. So and when I showed up, they were like, "She
1: does really exist." So I just I want to go back to to Steve now. And one of the things that was really great when I had Rich Roni on here was I was able to ask him what was Steve like as as a young man, as a teenager. Uh, and I can do that again with you here. Now you knew him, you know. Again, you knew him as a teenager. Then you had a long break in between, and then you you know basically met him again. So yeah. how did
0: how did the two Steves compare? Steve was was energetic, um, idealistic. Um, He was somewhat slimmer than he is now um, because he was he was I mean, he was just naturally a very slim guy. And he was also doing a lot more martial arts at that point. Um, And, uh, you know, fun to be with um, and very, very social, very garrulous. Um, I knew he read comics, but we never really talked about it much. I think I, one time when I was in his bunk, I saw that he had a couple, and I was like, ooh, can I see those? And he was like, yeah, sure. And that's as far as that went. The, the Steve that I met, again, after 35 years, you know, 35 years is a long time. I think both of us were, were, were a great deal more weathered. Um, you know, but the, the essence of Steve that, that I knew and loved back then was, was still very much the same. A very, very sweet, genuine, passionate person, a wicked sense of humor, um, very smart, uh, you know, and, you know, not just, not just in a, in a Yale kind of way, but, but also practically smart, um, you know, even though it may not always manifest itself in 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 business operations. Oh, there's there's that goes back to that. Hey, that's you. Hey, that's me. No, um, I have a great deal of respect for the way Steve runs his his business life, and probably the thing that's at the core of Steve's um, being is really his amazing sense of responsibility. Uh, he is the most responsible man I know. I think it is a good time, especially as, as so many of you have mentioned on the podcasts, with the way that the industry is going, with um, Marvel and DC both rebooting again. The timing seems to be fortuitous.
1: Marie, do you agree with that? Have you been following the DC and Marvel reboots? What's your take? Oh, it?
0: yes. <laughs> um,
2: actually, um, I have been following them very closely, and I do agree. <laughs> uh.
1: You think it's no? The, but... the reboots are good? Good or bad? <laughs> yeah. What do you think?
2: oh good 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 yeah keeps things fresh you know (laughs) I was just gonna say are you gonna have reunions I mean it, it is a social event it's not just coming and buying figurines and comic books you're also socializing so what's going to happen
1: to the comic book boys well, here's the thing. I mean, you know, if if everything goes the way we're hoping it does, there won't be a need for a reunion. I mean, the the hope and the goal is that these Saturday gatherings will continue. You know, we might just meet elsewhere. Um, and I wanted to ask you, Anne, and if you can or don't want to answer, that's perfectly fine. But you know, again, Steve has not expressed a lot of sentimentality about the store. Even when I had him on for his episode, it was all pretty matter of fact. And when he did show some emotion it was it was more anger at some of the the, the <laughs> critics um so i mean i'm just curious what i mean does he express something different to you about what the store has meant to him or how he feels about it closing other than people didn't pick up their stuff and now i'm having a sale and it's one day only i mean is is there is there more that we're i guess not seeing or hearing
0: Absolutely, you know, not in any concerted way, but I've, I over over the years, I've heard a tremendous amount of nostalgia and even pride for the Last Supper. Everyone should dress up in cosplay. Ah, <laughs> who?
2: who?
1: Mar- <laughs> Marie. Marie. Okay. I think Marie should lead the charge on that.
0: Wait a minute. Okay, you guys what? have
2: to tell me who you'd go as. Say that again. Now, what? A cos. In, so, in a costume. Oh, in a in co- any costume. Oh, okay. In any costume. Um. Let's see. If I trim down, maybe Batgirl. Oh, Oh, Doug would like that. that. (laughs) (laughs) I think Anne would too. (laughs) That is possible.
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, How about you? Now I'm thinking of a. You can be Buffy. I'll be Faith, and Anne can be Willow. Or oh, Oh. Oh, I I love Willow. Love Willow. Oh, I like Willow too. Yeah, I'm a fan of costumes and group costumes in general actually i changed my answer we've actually spoken about this anthony that you would be the green arrow and i would be black canary (gasps) and then i get to wear a blonde wig
0: (laughs) yes that would be fun anthony likes that (laughs) (laughs) look we actually
1: for halloween one year we did dress up as clark kent and lois lane it was
0: it was nice to be able to talk about this with with other x chromosomes
3: it is great to have just a, a ladies only plus host
0: conversation
1: I was actually not. I was just going to let you host, Steph, and I wasn't even going to be in this episode. But, uh, I mean, we're only doing 12. I mean, I got, you know, I, I couldn't, uh, I, I, I couldn't give it up completely. But you would have done a great job, I'm sure.
3: Thank you. But not as, not as well as, as you did. No.
1: Th- no, no. This is your
2: thing, mm-hmm. Anthony. Yeah. This is your mm-hmm. thing. You have to be. We
1: need a little testosterone in the mix. Hopefully for our female listeners out there, they'll, uh, Maybe be able to identify with some of this.
3: And there are female comic book geeks.
0: Yes. Yes, and more than one customer. Many, many, be, you know, yes. as, as, you know, Carolyn Hylinski is not the only one. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's a good she's point. She's probably the most vivid one, but she's not the only one.
1: Yeah, she's, I mean, the only one of the female customers who comes out to dinner with us. But right. she's, right, she's certainly not the only female customer that we have. All right, well, thank you to all of you for joining me for this episode. Thank you to those who tuned in. Be sure to keep listening to our upcoming episodes. And until then, don't be a flat squirrel.